ladies, and welcome back to the Biblical Woman Podcast. I'm Kat. Nicole and I are so glad that you have tuned into this episode. This episode is actually a continuation of our last episode in the Girl Runaway series, focusing on Bible heresies. So this is part two. So if you haven't listened to part one of the Bible reading heresies, then go ahead and go back and listen to that episode. In that episode, we identified two different Bible reading heresies, and then we looked into some different examples from false teacher Beth Moore and then not recommended teacher Jen Wilkin. And as always with this series, we are labeling these different teachers with a actual false teacher as someone who teaches anything that goes against God's word. And then a not recommended teacher is another label that we have been using just to simply say that this individual is not directly contradicting scripture. They are just saying or doing some things that are concerning, which is why they're not recommended. And extra discernment should be used when listening to them or using their resources. Our goal with this series is to not necessarily call out false teachers, but to educate you on various heresies that are very prevalent within the church and women's ministry right now. Because these heresies, they're not new. You know, they've been wrapped up in a pretty new box with a pretty new bow. But at the end of the day, it's the same things that the early church struggled with as well. And with each episode, our goal is to give you examples of how these different heresies present themselves and then take you to scripture to show you how you can defend yourself and refute these heresies. In this episode, we're going to start off by continuing to look at how these different Bible heresies present themselves. So we're going to start off with an example from Lisa to Kirst, and then we're going to move into the positive side of things, which is how we should read our Bible as women. Because when it comes to reading our Bible, we all know that it's important. We all know that we should do it and how we do it matters. And that's what this topic really boils down to. It comes down to how do you view the Bible? Do you believe that scripture is inerrant? divinely inspired, that it contains the gospel, and that it contains everything you need to know about living a holy lifestyle. And how you answer those questions is going to be the ultimate determining factor in how you read your Bible. And that is why this topic is so important. But without further ado, let's jump right in. This one is another one that really hurts my heart too. So this is from Lisa to Cursed. I have a couple different examples of her taking scripture out of context. The first one being Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And in her book, she twists that verse as, you know, connecting with those we love. And that is from The Best Yes. That is the book that it's from. And yes, while it's important to connect with the people that you love, I think COVID has absolutely shown all of us that. 
we also need to recognize that we have to connect with the people that we, we don't love, um, the people that we don't want to connect with, um, and be there for them and be witnessing to them. I don't, I haven't read the best. Yes. But I just imagine maybe what she's talking about here is, you know, connecting with those we love, just being with the people that we love and, you know, having a good time with them or something because yes, we do need that. But if we look at the verse of, of Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it is specific about the purpose of connecting with other believers, you know, it is so that we can stir one another to love and good works and encourage one another. So there's a very specific purpose that verse was written for, and it's not just about we need socialization. Yes. And you're not going to get along with every single Christian or every single person in your church. That's just part of being a family. <laughs> Right. Um, so there's going to be people that you disagree with that you really don't like, and you still need to connect with them. Like they are still your brother or sister in Christ and you need to connect with them in love and not just the people that you enjoy hanging out with or that you get along really well, or the people that match your Enneagram number. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> oh man. The next uh, quote that I pulled out is from the best yes as well. And this is where she takes and twists Isaiah 30, 20 through 22. And I'm going to go ahead and read that passage really quickly. It says, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher and your ears shall hear a word from behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, then you will defile your carved idols overlaid with silver and your gold plated metal images. You will scatter them as unclean things and you will say to them, be gone. And the verse that she twists in the best yes is that verse 21 where It says, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And she turns this into a simplified lesson about God whispering his best yes to us in our daily stress. And we need to recognize that this is not at all, this, like this passage is not at all about dealing with stress. I mean, we all have very stressful lives, you know, um, but that is not what this passage is teaching. Even though we are facing affliction, we are facing adversity. The teacher will not hide himself anymore. God is right there with us through every trial and tribulation. And it ends that verse 22, it ends with us addressing our idols and our sin and casting them out and striving mm-hmm. to live holy and to live a life that's pleasing to God, it's just so much deeper. And it's not at all about dealing with your daily stresses. Yeah, exactly. And again, listen to that, that language of God whispering, like where does it, it does not say anything about God whispering, but just that, that language of God whispering again, it invokes that I don't even know what kind of emotion, but it just gives you a very different image and feeling to hear the verse explained that way versus how you just explained it. 
Oh yeah. And whispering, we're going to address that in the next episode. Whether or not God whispers. (laughs) Oh, that's a good teaser. I'm excited for that one. (laughs) All right. I'm excited for it too. But so what's this other passage that you have for us? All right. So here's another example from Lisa um, in her, from her book, Uninvited. And it's the story of when, oh my gosh, when Samuel comes to Jesse because he wants to anoint the new king. And so this is from 2 Samuel 16. So this is what she says, quote, I think this is one of the lamest excuses. If David's father had any regard for his son at all, he could have found someone else to tend the sheep. I suspect that behind that statement were thoughts like, well, yes, I have one more son, the youngest, but he doesn't look like a king, doesn't smell like a king, so I didn't invite him. Uninvited by his own father. Can you imagine how David felt? Red hot rejection. David's father inflicted a mark on his heart that read, you don't belong. And then she adds, I can't find anywhere Jesse ever tended to his son's heart, end quote. I would really like to know where in the chapter of 2 Samuel 16, she found any of that. Right. And I think it's important to highlight and look for words such as, I think, or I suspect. Yes. That is her completely putting her own spin, her own interpretation of what the scripture is saying and making like, David feeling uninvited as the subject or like the main idea of that passage is not at all what that scripture is saying. And, you know, when she asked the question, can you imagine? Well, I think there's, you know, to some degree, it's okay to think through what, you know, the people in the Bible felt or experienced um, to really, you know, kind of grasp, you know, what that might have been like for them, I think is okay, but to only to a point, we can't then assume that just because we imagined it a certain way is then the truth of the scripture. Yeah, we can't take these imaginary emotions or feelings and use them to formulate a spiritual truth. And I think that's the danger in what she's doing here. Like you said, the Bible never teaches that Jesse felt this way towards his son or to any of his children. And she twists this to make it fit the rejection narrative of her book. And we can clearly see how she brought bias with her when she was teaching through this passage. Because never once do we hear Jesse's reasoning as to, you know, why he didn't present David, you know? Right, and nowhere in scripture do we see um, David speaking against his father or anything of that nature. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we can absolutely see how she brought rejection narrative, her own bias into this passage. And I I do want to say with uh, Lisa that I don't think she's a malicious teacher I wish that she would repent and 
interpret scripture correctly because I think God could use her in a very, very powerful way. Her ministries, her online ministries, last time I checked, were more popular than that of even Beth Moore. So I don't think Lisa and I don't think Jen are malicious teachers. Um, I think there's just some things that they need to repent of and to really dig into scripture. It right. hurts my heart to include include them in this episode. It kind of begs the question then. So now that we know what Jesus looks like and this narcissist, it makes us more vigilant and aware of what not to do when it comes to interpreting the Bible. So then the question becomes, how should we read the Bible? That is a good question. <laughs> That's the teacher coming out in me. So there's two big fancy words that we're going to talk about. So the first one is hermeneutics, and this is the art or science of interpreting the Bible. You can think of these as rules or methods for proper ways to interpret scripture. And good hermeneutics will lead into exegesis. And exegesis is the actual act of explaining scripture. In this, you know, we use the words of the text within scripture through the lens of their original context to determine their intent. And I included a quote um, from Bernard Ram on the difference between hermeneutics and exegesis. It says, hermeneutics stands in the same relationship to exegesis that a rule book stands to a game. The rules are not the game, and the game is meaningless without the rules. Hermeneutics proper is not exegesis, but exegesis is applied hermeneutics. I hope that helps because I always, I always got them confused when I was first learning them. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I hope that that is helpful. Hermeneutics is the art or science of interpreting the Bible and exegesis is the actual act of explaining scripture. It's how we go about it. We have to allow scripture to interpret itself. Like I said earlier, leaving the bias at the door when we go to scripture in exegesis, it's going to take more time and research and study, but this ensures that we are walking away with the correct interpretation and application of the text. And there's really some important questions to ask yourself, and these are just guiding questions. You know, who was the book written to? What was going on at the time? Who wrote it? When was it written? Look at that cultural, historical, and even literary context. And that is going to help you really understand what the Bible is trying to teach in that moment or in that passage that you are reading. Yeah. And earlier this season, we had Dave Jenkins on our show when we were doing the episode about why studying the Old Testament is so important. And I am so looking forward to next season when he returns because he's actually going to help us even more with this topic of learning how to read the Bible and how to have that correct exegesis. Um, and I'm just, I'm super excited about that. Me too, because it is such a good topic. It's such an important topic. We have two Bible verses from 2 Timothy to give you guys just very broadly on this topic. But the first one is 2 Timothy 2.15. And it says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, 
rightly handling the word of truth. And as Christian women, we have to handle God's word with care and hold it to the love and reverence that it is due. And we do that through interpreting scripture the way that God wants it to be done. The last one is 2 Timothy 3.16. I feel like we've used this verse in every episode. It's okay. It's so good. (laughs) I know, right? But it says, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. To me, this verse, it just goes back to that reason we said in the very beginning of why this is important, because this topic, how you read the Bible, it boils down to how do you view scripture? How do you view the Bible? What place do you hold it in your heart? You know, do you believe it's inerrant, divinely inspired, contains the gospel, contains everything you need to know about living a holy lifestyle? It, it comes down to how do you view scripture? And I think that is really at the heart of this episode, what we're asking, or that we have to ask ourselves when we read scripture. If we're reading ourselves into every passage, it's very clear who our God is if we're practicing neology and narcissus. Well said. Yeah. And hopefully this episode has challenged um, our listeners. I know it has challenged me just to be more mindful of when I do go to read scripture to, you know, be prayerful about it, even before I open the word to pray and ask God to ask the Holy Spirit to help me understand the words and to have the discipline to do the research that is needed so that we can, um, so that I can know what God's word is, is really saying. Yes. Exegesis, it is, you know, it's, it is a discipline and to spend that extra time studying and preparing but it is absolutely worth it. I'm glad that we tackled this topic. Next episode, we are going to be talking about whether or not the Christian can hear God and talking about if God whispers, Uh, because I know Nicole highlighted that word earlier in this episode. Be sure to go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review. You can view our show notes at simplydevoted.net. That's for this episode and all of our past episodes. Nicole, I'm going to let you read this last verse because you texted me it this week. I did. I did. This verse was just on my heart the other day, big time, and just giving me so much joy and peace. So, all right. It's John 17, 17. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Mm-hmm.